Thanks for listening to Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. It has been said that history is really His story, the story of God showing His grace and mercy to the people He has created. That grace and mercy is on clear display in the Gospels as we see our Jesus living and dying for the sins of the world. But His story continues. The story of the early Christian church is his story as well. We are glad that you have chosen to read that story with us, as together we read chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. We'll review the stories of God's grace and mercy on his infant church, and celebrate that same grace and mercy that we know and experience today. We are glad to have you studying and growing with us. Here's the next episode of our podcast and the discussion of the next chapter of the book of Acts. Good day to you, podcast listeners. So glad to have you here. Glad to have the privilege of bringing another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast your way. I'm Pastor Brian Hockman, uh, one of the pastors here at Grace, and I'm here with another one of our pastors and my friend, Pastor Aaron Strong. How are you today? I'm well. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Glad you can dive into Acts with us. My first time in Acts with you. Yeah. We're, <coughs> we're glad, to, glad to have you for sure. I am slightly disappointed that you're speaking coherently today. I was, I was sure hoping when I heard you're coming straight from the dentist that we might have some some laughing gas residue <laughs> and uh, might have some fun, but nope, but you was, seem to be totally with it and uh, and ready. It was straightforward and easy. Just a, a cleaning, <laughs> everything looked good. It's told I need to floss more, which is always the case. So <laughs> I bet you they don't even notice that. That's just they just tell everyone. <laughs> Probably you need to. Floss I don't more. floss very much anyway, so it's it's mostly true. Three times a day, you could do five <laughs> times a day. <laughs> exactly. You know, I I don't know how your teeth are, but I have been blessed with with pretty good teeth. I've had I had a few braces like in the back because I had some weird molar stuff going on, but I never had like the full grill in the front, and I've never had a cavity. Nice. I had to think about that just for a second, but yeah, I've never had a cavity. There you go. I had braces in eighth grade. Um, my parents did the sealant, I think it was called, okay. over my teeth. So I also didn't have any cavities. And it took till I was an adult to get a, a, <laughs> a couple of cavities. There you go. So, um, which is incredible because I was a sweet tooth. Uh, sure. To the highest degree. Like I loved cereal with a half an inch layer of sugar in oh, the yeah. bottom. And, um, so if that's if if there ever were an advertisement for sealant on, right the on testimony teeth, of the sealant <laughs> that is that is the one cuz i shouldn't have any of the teeth that i have but that's good yeah so yeah no slurring no numb mouth or anything like that <sighs> sorry to bummer. disappoint you ah, we'll get you next time <laughs> <laughs> i i i'm not going to share this video on air but sometime you should ask me if you're interested to see the video of Carly after the dentist. Oh boy. <laughs> it's a good one, huh? It was very funny. We were helping her out of the dentist and she asked if uh if she could ride a bike. Like, no. <laughs> no, not gonna be riding any bikes today. And so Yeah. That's fun. I think I, I posted it on Facebook and said, I know I'm losing out on Father of the Year for posting this, but this is too <laughs> funny not to share. <laughs> 
there there are so many good classic moments uh, of people coming out of that. Uh, what is it's not anesthesia as much as just like laughing. The gas laughing gas, yeah. Stuff. I had that once with my molars, and uh, this is when I was a vicar in Las Vegas. I had my my wisdom teeth oh, pulled okay. out. And my wife drove me home afterwards, obviously. And uh, apparently I just was stumbling up the steps to our apartment <laughs> and, you know, just couldn't wait to get home and like poke inside and see it and all this stuff. And <laughs> she's like, get your hands out of there. Stop poking <laughs> at it. <laughs> all that fun stuff. <laughs> it wasn't on the list of instructions. Don't jab at right. your teeth with, with your fingers. <laughs> but that sounded like a good idea. Huh? Right. Why not? <laughs> Oh, good fun stuff. Funny, funny. <laughs> We've been going one chapter a day, or one chapter uh, per episode, I guess I should say, through the book of Acts, and that brings us today then to chapter five. We had a little bit of a teaser at the end of chapter four. Um, there was this introduction to the commonality and the oneness that the early church shared and how it wasn't at all uncommon for property to be sold and then the profits from that property to be given to the church uh, to be able to help those who were were in need. So you have that little teaser and then we jump into chapter five with uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah, so Ananias and Sapphira, um, they they have a piece of property and they sell it, which was, was fine and dandy, and they decide to keep some of it to themselves, which is also fine and dandy. If you were to sell your car or your house or a piece of property and you said, well, I'm going to give some of it to the church, you know, some of the proceeds from that, and I'm going to keep some of it, that's absolutely fine. That's not what the point of this account is. What happened, though, is while they kept some of it to themselves, they brought what was left over to the church and said, well, here, we're giving you everything. Here it is. Right. And And that was their sin. You know, and this is so after we just have this stage set of how there's the sharing of of the the blessings and and resources among the believers. Um, here you have this example of a selfish attitude. Yeah, you know, people pretending that they're on board with it, but but really not. And and God can see through that. I've always wondered what was the motivation here. Like they're giving a a sizable gift. Obviously, it was big enough to at least be convincing that this was the full amount of the property. So that would be something that they would get some credit for. Right. Is it that much better to say this is 100%? Well, is it like this jealousy complex? I mean, if we, we deal yeah. with this today too. I mean, right before this, at the end of chapter 4, you hear how Barnabas sold a field and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Right. Well, Ananias' fire maybe saw that and said, well, well, if Barnabas did that, well, we want to be That's just like cool. Barnabas. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna pretend, but we're gonna pretend because we need some of the proceeds right. yet. Um, and I don't know what's that look like today. You know, I, I have to give as much offering as somebody else, or I have to. I don't know. We just we can be very hypocritical in our our attitude towards the Christian life, and and try to make ourselves better than who we actually really are. Right. Um, and, I'm the one that volunteers all the time. I'm the one that 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 gives a higher percentage. I'm the one that does this, and right. The rest of you should try to act like me or brag about the things we do as, as Christian people. Um, God sees through that. He sought through it here. Um, you have Ananias and Sapphira coming in at separate times before Peter and the apostles, and each of them are struck down dead. And, um, why? Because God saw through that and he's making an example of them. Don't mock God. Right. And hopefully a reminder for us too. I don't think he's going to necessarily strike us down in that way. 
he could. Um, but we we should still be faithful and honest in, in what God gives us and how we how we use those resources. There's a, a clear testimony here about the divinity of the Holy Spirit, um, which I think is interesting. Um, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, uh, and then a few verses later, um, you've not lied to human beings but to God. So here you've got a, a convincing um, set of passages that, that show that the Holy Spirit is every bit as much one of the persons of the Trinity um, as Father and Son. You know, some people have this misguided understanding of the Holy Spirit that maybe this is just when God decides to, to act or decides to be powerful. The, the, the power side of God is what we call the Holy Spirit, but we really just have one God that's wearing some different masks. Um, here you've got some convincing proof that no, this is not. Um, there's the distinct personhood of the, of the Holy Spirit, but yet also um, referred to as God. Right. Which is fitting as we are in the season where we'll be talking about on a Sunday here, um, Trinity Sunday. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, probably passed by the time we, you listen to this, but it's always uh, around this time of the year we just have an opportunity to reflect on the mystery of the triune God, who God describes himself to be in, in the Bible as as one God and, and three beings, three persons, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and yeah, I, I love that. That's a great example of Holy Spirit being true God. You missed this in, uh, in church at 9 o'clock. Um, prayer of the day. I'm reading it, and you know the ending who reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit uh, is what that prayer says for every Sunday except for Pentecost Sunday yeah. because that prayer is addressed to the Holy Spirit. So uh, my eyes deceived me and, I, and my uh, rote memory just took over and we addressed a prayer to the Holy Spirit who also reigns with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I got it better by, by 1030, but um, Kevin consoled me. Uh, Kevin Becker consoled me in the uh, narthex and said, don't worry, we'll get it squared away next, next week when we recite the Athanasian Creed. There are not three spirits, but one spirit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So if I left anyone with confusion, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get that squared away. Good. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. A cool little uh, paragraph there in verses 13 um, and following 13 through 16 that that kind of expounds a bit more on what we saw happening for the first time in Acts chapter 2, um, that this rich outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the, and the powerful gifts that, that God blessed the disciples to be able to have. Um, even here, people looking to try to get their sick loved ones within the shadow of, of the Apostle Peter uh, because of the power that God enabled them to have. Um, you know, a couple of chapters later in Acts, we're going to hear about uh, Paul's handkerchiefs and how they people that came into contact with even Paul's Kleenex have a chance at at having the power of right. uh, bestowed through them. So, and I think it's important to note too that it, this was more than just the disciples being able to have this this power from God to heal people and do miracles. It was always the miracles always accompanied the preaching of the word, and and especially in the early Christian church here. Um, it it reinforced their message, you know. If they're proclaiming about this this guy, the Messiah who came, Jesus Christ, who lived and and was put to death, was crucified, and rose from the dead, now lives again, but now he's ascended into heaven, and that's some 
for even us today, that's a, a pretty crazy story to listen to. Um, and in the early Christian church, the, the Lord gave the apostles the the miracles, the ability to do those miracles to really back up this message as as truth. And so it drew people in, it attracted people in, and also confirmed the message that they were proclaiming. And, and it was through that gospel that many people, as we hear here in that, that section, are being brought into the Lord's number. Yeah, it defended and um, solidified or made more valid the, the gospel, right? Yeah. It wouldn't have needed to have those signs, but God saw fit to, um, oh, here sure. we're going to have these men speak, and then the power is going to be evidently on display. Similar to Jesus. Jesus proclaims the gospel during his earthly ministry and um, and then performs miracles to show um, how legit it is, both what he says and what he does. Right. When he says, I am the son of God, um, and then he can defend that with uh, doing things that only God can do, here on earth, performing those miracles um, that lends credibility to that message. Here God gives the apostles that same privilege. They uh, proclaim the gospel and then are able to uh, not just have the message of God, but have the power of God as well. All right. And then you get to see just how self-righteous the high priests and the the leaders of the, the religious circles are, the Sadducees, because in the very next verse, we find out that they're filled with jealousy over the fact that uh, the disciples, I think, are being able to do miracles and are attracting more people to them. Uh, man, you just see how into themselves these people were, these religious leaders, is all about them and and trying to build themselves up and show how righteous they are and, and having that, that power and and here they're losing it and they're jealous uh, you know I, I don't know if they're jealous that they're losing people and and the disciples are gaining more numbers for the the lord or if they're jealous that they can't perform miracles but they're jealous and all of the above yeah, probably See, all right? of the above all of the above well it, it, this is only months removed from jesus arrest trial and right. execution and that was for jealousy they were afraid that Jesus threatened their power and the message of Jesus was was one that would cost them. Um, sadly, that's the way they saw it, rather than seeing the fulfillment of everything that they were supposed to be teaching and, and supposed to be leading the people to look for and understand. They should have been the first in line to, to celebrate the Messiah has come and God has fulfilled his promises and this is what it's all about. Uh, but for them, it was this was their meaning and purpose and have being these religious elites and these religious leaders and having the attention of the people is what they right. uh, that that became more important than even what the 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 message was supposed to proclaim what the scriptures that they claimed to be expounding upon um, really said and so in that way it's not really a shouldn't be a surprise that here just a few months later um, they've got the same attitude now about Jesus followers and about this this Christian church that's now um, beginning and, and continuing to grow. That shows just how blind and hard-hearted they are, though, too. I mean, you would think that, all right, they, they reject this whole Jesus thing, but now his followers are doing this miraculous stuff. Like, isn't it like just the wake-up call? Like, come on. All right, you missed the first sign. Yeah, Here's we the second wrong. one. Seriously, how much more of this do you need? But they were just so blind in their self-righteousness and attitude and hardened their hearts uh, that they were not willing to accept it. So they arrested the disciples, threw them in jail. Yep, here's, uh, assuming that Peter is one of the apostles here, uh, which I would, this is his second time in, I don't know, a week, two weeks, 
uh, chapter four. He's he's thrown in prison, so yep. now he's now he's back, <laughs> back, he's back in, in prison. There. This again, but um, not for long. Yeah, not for long. Because <laughs> in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord comes and lets them out and says, "I want you to go into the temple courts like you have been and keep preaching the good news about Jesus." I okay. just I just love this. If you actually like stop and picture this playing out in your mind. Like, okay, so these guys are teaching and we don't like it, so we're going to throw out, what can we do about it? Uh, we could lock them in jail, so then they can't teach anymore. And Okay, now we got that figured out. Show up the next morning, everything looks good except they're gone. And where are they? They're back in the temple courts right. preaching. <laughs> like, what do we got to do to get these people? Well, it's just amazing to me and, and, and embarrassing because you have the chief priests who arrest these guys, right, and put them in prison, and then they get the whole Sanhedrin together the next morning. So all 70 of these these religious leaders who this are on this court. council, yep. this court, are brought in, and they're going to bring the disciples out in front of them. Um, but, you know, how embarrassing when the Your guy Honor, comes in there's and, like, a problem. whispers <laughs> to the chief and, like, uh, it's all shut tight. I promise. Like the guards are still there, but there's no prisoners anymore. Yeah. And then the rumor comes in. Oh, hey, they're in the temples preaching again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so we convene the uh, case of the apostles preaching in the temple courts. Yeah. Oh shoot, they're they're doing it again. <laughs> right. It's um, almost just laughable to see how God is sorting the plans right. of, yeah, and even just the whole concept of these are the very same people that to kill the Christian church, they put Jesus to death and look at what happened. The church is growing despite their, their strongest and best efforts to squash it. Uh, And now, okay, well let's just round up all the apostles and throw them in prison. And the church is growing and, and they're actually playing into um, the legend, right? Now there's another story about how, the angel of the Lord uh, released them from prison. And, and this is becoming a pattern. We're trying to arrest these apostles, but God's more powerful than even prison bars and, and even leaders that are trying to thwart the efforts. Um, they're becoming, they're playing a role in these miraculous stories as they're trying to squash and quiet and silence. They're, they're just the megaphone that's making it uh, even more impressive and even more miraculous. Um, you can just see God's control here and, Nothing is going to right. be able to, to to thwart his plans for his church. Well, like what you said, that God is showing his power here and that he's really in control, even when you have so much going against the preaching of that. And what a beautiful reminder for us um, when even even when we can feel like uh, the message is being is being squashed by society and and rejected by people and people are falling away from faith, just look through history and see how even in the the times of the most intense persecution, the gospel has still carried through and God has always been able to keep that, that gospel before us. And and so just like the apostles to faithfully proclaim God's word boldly and confidently and let, let God be in control is a beautiful thing. So yeah. we don't have to worry, I guess would be my point. We don't have to stress and worry like, Oh man, we are, we are the generation. We are uh, the, the time and, and place where the gospel is going to be lost. Uh, no, the gospel will never be lost. God has promised that, and he's shown it time and time again throughout Scripture. Here's a good example of that. Yeah. The uh, reference is escaping me, but the one enthroned in heaven laughs. Oh, yeah. Uh, God, it's a psalm. Yeah. People uh, try it as they might to have their will be done and try to um, try to thwart God's plans, but God is in heaven laughing, scoffing at the efforts because he's the Almighty. He's the one that... Um, will have his will done. And what a comfort that is for us that no matter um, 
what the news is, no matter what kind of persecutions we see out there or, or we're experiencing in our, in our very lives. Um, we, we can see God whose will is done and whose promises are solid and secure. He's, he's still going to be with us powerfully, um, regardless of what anyone has to say or tries to do. Right. So you have the the apostles are, are brought back in before the Sanhedrin. They're told to stop preaching the gospel. Peter famously says, uh, "We must obey God rather than human beings." Right. So we're in other words, we're going to continue to preach the gospel no matter what the consequences are. And and the disciples realized there were earthly consequences um, to their preaching of the word. They they could were thrown in prison. Some of them are put to death. We're going to see that in the upcoming chapters. Um, but they knew it was more important and. Uh, to follow God's command to preach the word. Yeah. Because of the eternal blessings that there were. The boldness that they receive through Pentecost and, and throughout their here uh, post-ascension ministries is is remarkable. To see the turnaround that they have, to see the gift that God has given them, um, that they can now go out and boldly proclaim the gospel, regardless of what others might say or do. Um, they are here with a life-changing gospel that they are going to stop at nothing to proclaim. Right. Well, there's at least one Pharisee, though, that had a decent head on him <clears throat> here, and his name is Gamaliel. And uh, he kind of sets, you know, because when, when the Pharisees heard this, the Sadducees, or the, the Sanhedrin heard this, they wanted to put the disciples to death. Like, how dare you not listen to us? But Gamaliel says, hey, <clears throat> hold on. You know, if we if we continue to make a big deal about this, then we're just giving them more publicity, and it's just going to continue to grow. Um, but you know what? <clears throat> if this is really from God, or if it's not from God, just let it be. It'll die out, right? right. We don't it'll have to take, worry about it'll it. It'll take care of itself. But if it really is from God, then who are we to fight against we it? We can't do right? anything. So either. how about we just let it play out is, is his, his advice here. Um, let them go. You know, it'll die or it'll go. And and so that's, that's what they end up doing. They're like, fine. Go out, do your thing, and um, there's still going to be persecution and stuff and challenges in front of them. But they it have... is interesting when God uses people who maybe aren't even believers. Now, I don't know what Gamaliel's heart is at right. this point, uh, but we're not told that these words came as a defense because of his faith. Um, he seems to be giving practical advice. Um, but that is interesting when God um, delivers a message through through someone who doesn't maybe have the best of intentions through it, but it still is, um, is practical and, and something that ends up winning the day. And sometimes God's will is done through, through, uh, pagans or through secular rulers and, and authorities. And right here you have an example of that. So they get, uh, they get beat up a little bit. They get flogged and, and again told, don't speak in the name of Jesus. And, and then they let him go. And the disciples, the, the apostles there return to the larger group and rejoicing um, because the things that Jesus said about their ministry, about how they were going to be persecuted are coming true. Yeah. And they realize they are suffering for the name of Jesus. And that is a glorious thing, which just seems so odd, um, but truly is. These last two verses of this chapter are astounding. The one you just quoted, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Jesus counted them worthy enough to allow them to share in the sufferings that he endured. Yeah. Um, and they saw that and recognized that and rejoiced in that. You know, that's a hard thing, I think, for us to understand because we don't, we, being uncomfortable is not something we, we strive for. Uh, and especially in our day and age where there is so much, um, 
you know, there, there is a lot of fighting against the, the reality of the, the scriptures. And, and sometimes we just, instead of standing on boldly on the truth, we want to, we want to skirt it under the table and maybe avoid the issue so that we can just be friends and, and avoid hard conversations or, or whatever else. Um, or I'm avoid remind- suffering because suffering's bad, right? I don't want to have to suffer. Yeah, don't want to have to suffer. So maybe I'll even we'll quit going to church. Maybe I'll stop reading the Bible. Maybe I won't talk about it with other people because I don't want to suffer. Uh, but here you have the disciple suffering, and I'm just reminded of uh, we had Professor Bear from John Bear from mm-hmm. the uh, the seminary here for our Ascension event a couple weeks ago, and he shared some stories as he has traveled all over the world to a lot of different ministries happening in a lot of different languages and countries, and he just shared a story of uh, of an Asian country and a, and a a man there uh, in a country where they persecute Christians um, who they, he was building up a little kind of almost house church. And, and one night he gets beat up, almost left for dead. And uh, Professor Bear didn't think he'd see him the next day. Well, he sees him the next day. He's got a big smile on his face. Yeah. Because of this, just like the apostles here, uh, he, he rejoiced because he was suffering for the name of the Lord. Um, that's a cool thing. That's not something that I, have ever experienced in my life and, and quite honestly would probably be afraid to. And yet here, here's a beautiful example of, of a man who loves his savior. Um, and that's more important to him than anything else. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Present day thing, just like that. And then 42 day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. This is what they did. Not just Sunday morning, but uh, this was a part of their everyday lives, and um, Jesus had made such an impact on their lives and such a difference that they weren't gonna gonna miss the opportunities that were all around them to to share that gospel. Um, and that can be that can be our guide and our opportunity too. Um, Jesus has made a life changing, a life saving difference for us, and we can look for the opportunities, pray for the opportunities, and never stop proclaiming that good news. I think we could probably say that this is, is, it is most, most certainly certainly true. true. Thanks for listening. We'd love to share more about God's love with you. Check us out at www.gracedowntown.org. There, you'll find worship times, our pastor's contact info, and a lot of information about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.